turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. And right now, some of you are, you know, things are really good. And some of you right now, you're hurting. Some of you, some of you right now, you feel like you're living under the blessing of God. And some of you right now, you feel like you're living in the midst of a storm. And I want you to know whatever your situation is, whether it's good or bad, God still has a plan for you. He still has a plan for you. Hello and welcome as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley Rutherford. I'm Kyle Welch. This program is part of an outreach ministry from Shepherd Church located in Los Angeles, California. Everything we do at Shepherd is based around John 3.14 that teaches us to lift up the name of Jesus that the world might believe. We want to come alongside you in your journey with God and help you become stronger in your faith so you can better serve Jesus and share him with others. Our pastor is Dudley Rutherford, and we join him right now with his message for us today. I hope you have your sermon notes. I want to speak to you about the perfect number. The perfect number. The number seven is found in the Bible 457 times. It is a number that represents perfection. It represents completion. It represents the blessing of God. Perfection, completion, and blessing. Now the word created, as you read through the creation story, you'll find the word created seven times. The story of creation takes seven days. In the Bible, God created seven days to equal one week. Noah, in Genesis chapter 7, verse 2, the Bible says that he took the clean beast into the ark in groups of seven. It was seven days after Noah entered the ark that the floods came. In Leviticus chapter 18, Aaron and his sons began their priestly work after they were consecrated for seven days. On the Day of Atonement, in Leviticus chapter 16, verse 14, when the Bible says the high priest came and sprinkled the blood upon the mercy seat, the Bible says that they sprinkled the blood seven times. There are seven feasts established by the Lord in Scriptures. The Feast of Passover, the Feast of the Unleavened Bread, the Feast of First Fruits, Pentecost, Atonement, the Trumpets, and the Feast of Tabernacles. There are seven branches on the candlestick inside the holy place, inside the tabernacle. Solomon was seven years in the building of the temple of God. Job had seven sons, and when his friends came to see him, the Bible says that they sat for seven days and seven nights 
in complete silence. And afterwards, they were required to offer up a burnt offering of seven bulls and seven rams. Naaman dipped seven times to be cleansed of his leprosy. When Jesus was on the cross, he spoke seven different times. When deacons were selected in the early church in Acts chapter 6, they chose seven men. When Joseph was in Egypt, in charge of Egypt, there were seven years of plenty and seven years of famine. There's a phrase in the Bible that says, the book of life. That phrase, the book of life, is found seven times in the Word of God. In the book of Revelation, there are seven churches and seven seals and seven trumpets and seven spirits and seven candlesticks and seven horns and seven eyes. Jesus said when someone sins against you, you're to forgive them 70 times seven. During Israel's great punishments in in Jeremiah 25 and Daniel chapter 19, it was based upon the law of seven because they were sent to captivity in Babylon for 70 years. That's 10 periods of seven. I think you get the picture that seven is an important number in the Word of God. In our text, You have seven priests. You have seven trumpets. There are seven days. And on the seventh day, there are to be seven laps. And that is when God brings the victory to the Israelites. Point number one, I want you to write this down. God has a perfect number for you. In your situation, in your struggling, in your desire to overcome, and you're longing to see the impossible situations in your life disappear. God has a perfect number for you. For Israel, it was seven. Now, I want you to understand that the number seven was not Israel's number. The number seven was God's number for Israel. And I want you to know that God has a number for you in your impossible situation. For you, it might be seven days, could be seven minutes, could be seven weeks, it could be seven months, it could be seven years, and it could be 77 years. But God, if God is sovereign, which I believe he is, he has a number for you. The Bible says in Zechariah chapter 4 verse 10, the Bible says that the seven eyes of the Lord, which range throughout the whole earth, which indicates God's complete vision. You see, the person you're sitting next to that you think you know everything about them, the truth is you don't know everything about them. There's only one person who knows everything about them. And it's the one who's got the seven eyes, the one who roams throughout the earth. The fact that God sees all, that God knows all, that God understands all, And those seven eyes are upon you. And he's aware, God is aware of everything that's going on in your life this very moment. And I know you like to think that you know what's in your best interest. And I certainly think that I like to think that I know what's in my best interest. But you know what? The one with the seven eyes that knows all and sees all and understands all. God is the only one who truly knows what's in our best interest. He's the only one. I want you to write this down. His definition, the definition of victory, our definition of victory might be different than God's definition of victory. 
I know what, what victory is to me. Victory to me is I want the pain to end. I want the struggle to cease. That's victory for me. I want the storm clouds to pass. But God's idea could be totally different. All you need to look to is the cross for an example. Do you think the cross was easy for Jesus? The Bible says in Hebrews 12 that he endured the cross. And that's just not the physical pain of having nails go through your hands and through your feet, but it was the pain of of having all the sins of all the people of all the world for all the time thrust upon Jesus upon the cross that could not be easy but ultimately it was victory because it was through his death and through his pain and through his suffering that he conquered sin that he conquered death enabled all of us to have salvation he was exalted the right hand throne of God you see I think God has a perfect number for you in that He knows the exact number of days of struggle that you need to learn the things that you need to learn in order that he might bring about the victory that you are so desperately seeking. Whatever number, God has a number for you. Number two, write this down. It's not just a number. Look at it as though God has a perfect plan. In Psalm 139, we find these words, O Lord, you have searched me and you know me. See, the Lord's the only one who knows you. I know you think the person sitting next to you knows you and they think they know you, but both of those are wrong. Only the Lord knows you. Verse 2, you know, when I sit, when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Verse 4, before I even speak a word, before the word comes out, you know what it is. Skip down to verse 13, Psalm 139. For you created my inmost being and you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Verse 15, my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. Uh, See, the Bible teaches that that's life. That's life inside the mother's womb. But look at verse 16. Your eyes saw my unformed body, and the Bible says, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before even one of them came to be. You see, when you were inside your mother's womb, God knew your story. He knew every step every thought every word that would come out of your mouth okay he knows all he sees all he's got seven eyes he's perfect his wisdom is perfect his knowledge is perfect and right now some of you are you know things are really good and some of you right now you're hurting some of you some of you right now you feel like you're living under the blessing of god and some of you right now you feel like you're living in the midst of a storm and i want you to know whatever your situation is whether it's good or bad, God still has a plan for you. He still has a plan for you. I want you to write this down. God is the potter, according to Isaiah 64. And we are simply clay. That's all we are. We're just clay. On our very best day, in our Sunday suit, we're just clay. That's all we are. With all our lumps and our bumps and our dirt uh, and our mess and God is the potter who takes this lump of clay and he molds and he spins and sometimes he starts over and he smashes and starts all over 
and it doesn't look right. So he fixes this and he starts over again. And God, according to the Bible, he works and he forms and he fashions. And he's trying to put you into a situation where you will be used as some type of instrument or a vase. But God constantly is working in your life. We know from Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, that he carries this process on until completion, until the day the Lord Jesus Christ returns. Can you say amen? amen. Some of you know if you've been in the DVD for this life group uh, that I've been cycling. And I met a guy named Phil. Phil is not a Christian, all right? He's not saved. Uh, he's a Jewish man, but he doesn't practice the Jewish faith. So he's really, there's nothing spiritual about Phil, okay? He was a drug addict for years. One day we were driving across the valley floor, and so we're driving across, and he says this. He says, Pastor, I used to buy drugs out of that house right there. I said, really? Yeah. We rode a little bit further, a couple blocks down. He goes, I used to buy drugs in that house. The first time I ever met Phil, or how I met Phil, was on a Tuesday ride in the evening about 5 o'clock, and we were literally on DeSoto. We were, we were, we were going fast, and a big group of guys, and he crashes right in front of me. That's how I met him. And he shattered his hip, has no insurance. And I waited with him because there was another guy in our church that went down and uh, the ambulance came and literally took him 100 feet to Kaiser Hospital. And I went there to wait and watch over his stuff and his bike and his wife came, she was hysterical. And what he couldn't figure out is that after we kind of met through that circumstance, the church, the guys that we ride with, we started calling them. How you doing? Do you need anything? Can we bring you some food? And this guy was shocked. He couldn't figure out why anybody was being nice to him. Uh, literally, you know how you're nice to people just as a Christian? He couldn't figure it out. Because, uh, you know, he was used to buying all the drugs. You know what I'm saying? And, and uh, now everyone's being nice. He can't, he can't figure it out. So we just became really, really good friends. So when we filmed the Life Group, if you're watching the Life Group DVD... I put out an email and just said, hey, anyone who can show up, we're going to film these seven lessons. We filmed all seven lessons in one day. We started when the sun came up. We finished when the sun came down. And Phil was one of 20 guys who showed up. Afterwards, uh, he says, hey, when do I get to see the DVD? Hey, I want to see. When do I get the lessons? I want to see. I want to see. I want to see. And I said, Phil, Phil, we have to edit. It takes time to edit. I know, but how long? When do I get to see it? When do I get? I said, Phil, you're in the best scene. Which scene is that? I, I said, it's the seventh lesson. So if, you, if you're getting ready to watch the DVD, watch this. I said, it's at the very, when we get to the very top, and it's, we're, it's not Hollywood, this is real stuff, okay? I get up there, and my heart's beating out of my chest. I, I barely make it. I get to the top of the hill, you watch. I put my arm around one guy, and I put him in a headlock, and we're like this. We're just so excited we got up to the top of the hill. That's Phil, okay? <laughs> so I said, Phil, you're in the best scene. You're in the best scene. And he says to me, well, when do I get to see it? When do I get to see it? Now, I know Phil doesn't know anything about the Bible. But when the DVD came out about two months ago, all 20 guys, I gave each of them a copy of the book. I gave them an autographed copy of the book. I gave them the DVD, and I gave them the workbook with all the questions. And I know that he was going to look through all that. Next time I saw him, Phil said these words to me. He said, Dudley, I've never heard of that story of Joshua in the Battle of Jericho. He goes, that was a pretty interesting story. 
And of course, I said, I know, Phil, you should come to church. I'm preaching on it. <laughs> but he was introduced to this story for the first time. Can you imagine? For the first time. Jump forward to this week. Frank Sontag goes to this church. Frank Sontag hosts the KKLA show, 99.5 FM. It's the largest Christian radio station in the world. And Frank and his wife uh, and their son, he comes to church. He's usually in this service, but right now he's over in Israel on a tour. And so they asked me to fill in at the radio station. And so this last week on Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday, I was hosting the Frank Sontag show on KKLA 99.5 FM from 4 to 6 right during drive time. I'm interviewing a guest, and my phone, I get a text. And guess who the text is from? It's from Phil. And here's what he writes. Now look what he writes. I've just shown you the text. He goes, how is it that I'm setting my clock on my car radio when I accidentally turned to channel 99.5? And I hear somebody, he says, it sounds just like you. And I say to myself, that sounds just like Dudley and as sure as heck and that's the word he uses because usually he uses other words. <laughs> he goes, sure as heck, you're on the radio saying, hi, I'm Dudley. Now, how many of you know that is no accident? How many of you know that? It is no accident. And it gets a little bit better. Because when I'm interviewing the guests and I get this text from Phil... Guess who it is that I'm interviewing at that very moment that he was listening to? He, he was listening at that very moment. I was interviewing a Jewish rabbi named Rabbi Ron LaPaz, who's the rabbi of Valley Outreach Synagogue, and I know he was listening to every single word that we were saying. Afterwards, I get this text, and he says, When are we writing? Enough of that proselytizing. Let's watch our priorities, okay? He sends that to me. Listen, it doesn't matter if you crash on your bike on DeSoto and break your hip, or if you're tuning the radio in your car. God has a plan for you. He's got a plan for Phil. He's got a plan for me. i got to show you this text real quick. You remember the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the three Hebrews that refused to bow down, and they were told, if you don't bow down, we're going to throw you inside a fiery furnace. And the three Hebrew boys uh, decided that they were not going to bow down, okay? Just like we're going to have to stand in, for our moral convictions in our culture, uh, even if it costs us something. These boys refused. Well, the Bible says right before they threw these boys into the furnace, this is what Daniel 3, verse 19, I don't know if you've ever seen this, that says that they heated the furnace seven times hotter than usual. Now, do you think that number's there by accident? No. It was the perfect temperature, the perfect storm that enabled God to show up and to rescue these three boys. 
I want you to write this down. Sometimes God calms the storm, which is what you want, but sometimes God calms your fears when you're in the middle of the storm. God has a perfect triumph for you. This whole story of these seven priests marching around the walls of Jericho, right behind them, remember they said to put the priest where? In front or behind? In front of the Ark of the Covenant. And what is the Ark of the Covenant? The Ark of the Covenant represented God. Symbolically, which we've we've already had the sermon, everything in the Ark of the Covenant was picturing Jesus Christ. It was a picture of Jesus Christ. So this scene, let's look at it, verse 4. Have seven priests carry trumpets of horns in front of the Ark. And on the seventh day, as you circle the city on the seventh time, with those priests blowing their trumpets, skip down to verse 20 again, when the trumpet sounded, the people shouted, because it was at the sound of the trumpet when the people shouted that those walls collapsed. Oh, listen to me, listen to me. This is all symbolic of another day, of another battle, of another triumph that is yet to come. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. It says, for the Lord himself, not a rainbow, not a dove, not a burning bush, not Melchizedek, not a pillar of fire, not a pillar of cloud. It says, for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command and with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ will rise. And after that, verse 17, we who are still alive, who are left, we will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and we will live with him forever and ever and ever. You see, all of this is symbolic of another day where you at any moment will hear the trumpet sound. And just like those trumpets were announcing as they marched around those walls the presence of God, the trumpets that we will hear will also be announcing the presence of God, but it will be announcing the second coming of Jesus Christ. And when the second coming of Jesus Christ occurs, all of us will be caught up in the air with him. You talk about a triumph. You talk about victory. You talk about overcoming any situation in your life. All you need to do is to be ready and be prepared so that when you hear those trumpets, let me tell you, we'll all be shouting and those impossible walls will come down and we will live for the Lord forever and ever and ever. The secret to overcoming any obstacle you are facing today is revealed through one of the most extraordinary victories ever recorded in the Bible, the Battle of Jericho. Joshua and the Israelites followed God's unusual plan to walk around the heavily fortified walls of Jericho for seven days. The Lord promised that at the end of those seven days, He would cause the walls of that famed city to fall, allowing His people to take possession of the Promised Land. In his book, Walls Fall Down, Pastor Dudley Rutherford shows us how the seven spiritual principles in this story are available for all of us today. 
you will learn how the foundation behind Joshua's victory is the key to overcoming your own hurdles and unsolvable issues. When you choose to do things God's way, walls crumble, victory replaces defeat, and a blessed future unfolds. Pastor Dudley's book, Walls Fall Down, is available for a gift of any size to the Lift Up Jesus ministry. This invaluable resource can be yours right now by calling our toll-free number, 888-818-4777. That number again is 888-818-4777. You can also order this book directly from our website, liftupjesus.com. That address again is liftupjesus.com. Discover how your personal Jericho battle is no match for the power of an awesome God. Call us right now and receive your copy of Walls Fall Down by Pastor Dudley Rutherford today. I'm Kyle Welch, inviting you to join us tomorrow at this same time as we again lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley. Pastor Dudley